Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to touch on something that many of you is very familiar to us tonight, but I'm asking you to keep your spirit open that the Lord would talk to us and arrest our attention with what He wants us to hear. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Notice what he says. In whom, speaking of Christ, you also trusted after. You trusted after that you heard the word of truth. Everybody say the word of truth. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, would you believe? You believed the word of truth. After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Hear me. You and I did not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost until we heard the word of truth, believed the word of truth, That aligns with what Jesus Christ said, right, in John 1 and 12, or John said in John 1 and 12, to as many as received him, the word of God, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Got to receive the word. After you heard the word of truth. Some people are only doing what they know to do because they have not yet heard the word of truth. This is why we got to go. People have to hear the word of truth. That word there is logos. They have to hear the word of truth. It's the thought, the concept, the idea of God's word, the word of truth. Verse 14, after that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is... That's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, that's the church, under the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what I pray, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory. Notice he didn't say, and the Father. This is one and the same. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. To have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. That can't come fully and completely without the Holy Spirit of promise, which comes after you receive the word of truth. This is an example of what the Scripture means when the Lord said, I will speak to my people line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And so you see this building that Paul is writing in this way. After you heard the word of truth, then the gospel of salvation. After you believed, then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And now I'm praying that all that's happened. This is line upon line, precept upon priest. After that, now I'm praying that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
All right? We're just going to stay in Ephesians tonight, sort of. Go to chapter 4. Fast forward. I know we've been in Ephesians a lot lately. I feel like there's something the Lord's wanting us to grab here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Quickly. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. We talked about this the other Sunday. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. You have a calling. We are meant to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, through all, and in you all. Skip down to verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He did this for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians chapter 6. Are you there? Aren't you thankful we're moving quickly? We're already to chapter 6. Now go with me to verse number 10, please. Now this is where it's going to be familiar to you. But I wanted you to see first the word of truth and your calling. Now verse 10. Paul has written all of this stuff in these first five and a half chapters to the church at Ephesus. If you were here a couple of Sundays ago when Bishop was here and then I followed, we talked a lot about the unity that was spoken of here in Ephesians. We see Paul writing all these things about unity, about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He writes about the relationship between a husband and a wife and Christ the head and how that really speaks of the church and relationships in the church. And he takes that to the structure of children in a home and obey. So he's, he said all this stuff. There's so much in those first five and a half chapters. But we get to chapter 6, verse 10, and he says, finally. That doesn't mean like, oh, phew, I made it. It means like, okay, finally, this is the last thing I want to leave with you. Listen, lay hold on this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Not with the Lord, not by the Lord, in the Lord. Where you and I abide determines whether we have strength or not. Some are not strong. We say, I'm so weak, but it's where you're abiding. Mentally, emotionally, and even physically, your environment. Where you abide determines getting strength. Paul said, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In another place, Paul said in Corinthians, he said, In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. We have to learn to abide in him. That's how we draw strength. But he's still talking about finally. Next verse, notice this part of finally. Put on... Now, this is where it's going to get really familiar to you, so don't check out. Stay with me. Put on the whole armor of God that you... Why are we putting on the armor of God? It's in the scripture there. 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what that says to me? If I don't put on the armor of God, what? Won't be able to stand. That makes sense? So I have to put on the armor of God in order to be able to stand. If you or I find, man, the adversary seems to be getting advantage over me. The adversary seems to be affecting me contrary to the will of God. The adversary seems to be knocking me down more than I should be getting knocked down. I need to go back to the armor. It doesn't say put on the whole armor of God in hopes that you'll stand. It says put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand. That's a promise. So we got to put on the armor so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Verse 12. For we do not wrestle flesh and blood. Your battle, my battle is not with people. Well, it would be a whole lot better if Sister Alex would shake my hand when she sees me instead of walking on by. Sorry, I'm not thinking. Instead of just walking on by. It'd be a lot better, you know, if, if Brother Joel would, and you know, you feel like we want to point fingers at people. Or my coworker, you know, you just don't understand. Like every day they find my last nerve and get on it. Maybe the Lord's just trying to find out if you and I are dead or not yet. You say, oh, God would use my coworkers? Oh, yes, he will. God always uses heathens to do his work. I said a little lighthearted, but very real. He used the Egyptians to afflict Israel so they'd cry out. He used Babylon to take them into captivity so they'd realize what happened when they didn't follow his direction. It was Roman soldiers that nailed him to a tree. You think he won't use somebody to nail you to a tree? He's always used the heathen to find out how dead we are. We should really get to the point where I have no issue with my brother and sister no matter what. But then I get to the point where even the Roman soldier, I can say, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. You know, that's how you know, you know, the Bible says of Stephen in Acts chapter 8 or 7. At the end of Acts chapter 7, it says of Stephen that he was full of the Holy Ghost. And then it says when they stoned him, he looked up to heaven, he saw Jesus standing on the right hand. And he prayed, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. How do we know he was full of the Holy Ghost? I think what he said revealed. He was now doing what Jesus did. The very ones who were killing him, he was praying for them. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, so we're not wrestling flesh and blood. We're talking about putting on the whole armor. We're not putting on the armor like, oh, man, and you've all said this or thought this or heard this. Man, I'm putting on the armor before I walk into work today because I know. That's not what it's talking about. We're not wrestling flesh and blood. 
We understand we're wrestling principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why you cannot and should not be wasting your breath on political drama. That's flesh and blood. Now, it's influenced, and, and I know we're getting ready to come into election season, and I just hate it. All right. I'm going to vote, and I have my opinions, but I'm going to tell you, God doesn't care about my opinion. He doesn't. And I don't mean to break your heart, but he doesn't care about your opinion either. All he cares about is his word and his kingdom. That's what matters to him. And the more we get aligned with him, the more that's all we'll care about. I'm not telling you you shouldn't vote. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have a voice. But you shouldn't get drawn into debate and argument that ruins your testimony to where somebody won't hear about the kingdom from you because you needed to get political. We have a kingdom. We have a government. It's not of this world. Amen? And so we have to know this. And so this is why we put on the armor of God. I put on the armor of God because what I'm really wrestling with, that coworker that has something to say, they're under some spiritual influence, whether it was the news they were listening to or what they've been entertaining or the music they feed or Hollywood. They, they're under influence. It's not them. I'm trying to win them to the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to point them to Christ. I'm not wrestling with them. And so I, I got to put on the armor of God. Paul said, finally, my brethren, I put on the armor of God because that's what I'm wrestling with. I discern. Hold on. It's not, it's not this coworker. It's not that person at the store. It's not the person that cut me off at the drive-thru. It's not the, you fill in the blank. I'm wrestling She's going to find out if I'm dead yet or not. And so I got to put on the armor because of what I wrestle against. You and I cannot war against these things in our humanity. But thank God there's the armor. Now, watch. Got to hurry. What verse are we on? That one, 13. Wherefore, he repeats... Take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Anybody think this could be the evil day? Think this qualifies as evil day? So we need to have the whole. Not, now, here's the thing sometimes that we do. We take on part of the armor of God. Yes? So if any, any boxers in the room, anybody, ever, anybody a boxer? No? You used to box, Brother Lewis? Okay, come here. <laughs> he just got red. Oh, stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. Okay. Put your guard up like if you're a boxer. Put your guard up. All right. So he's got his guard up. So if, if I'm going to attack, I'm not going to go like that, right? What am I going to do? Right? I'm going to go where he's not protected. Does this make sense? Okay, so thank you. So we, we, now this is simple, but we read over this in the word of God. We are wrestling spiritual things every single day of your life. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't ascribe to the fact that there's a devil under every rock. But our world is under spiritual influence. It's everywhere. And so... 
If you think for one minute, I'll get up in the morning, I don't have time today. My Starbucks is more important than a place of prayer, and I got to get through that drive through. You are deceiving yourself. You, and I must get to a place where I put on the whole armor of God daily because it's the evil day. And so if I think, oh, I don't have much time this morning, let me just get on the breastplate of righteousness and see what happens. Well, what's going to happen? The adversary is going to look where the armor's not. Let me take a shot. I'm not trying to rhyme. Let me take a shot where the armor's not. Right? That's what he's going to do. This is why Paul said, take unto you the whole armor of God. I want you to see something here. How many of you? Don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. Just keep your hand right there. This is just one of these inside your mind, no comment. Just do you think you put on the whole armor every day? We need to. And I think by the time we're done here in a few minutes, we may look and realize I haven't really been putting on the armor. Not completely. But I think the Lord would give us more understanding so that we can know I am equipped. I have the armor of God. Why? Take the whole armor of God that you may be able. Now, notice he changes the word here. That you may be able to withstand. There's a lot we got to withstand. The problem is if we're not dead to self, we don't withstand. We respond. There's a different here, come here, boxer again. He's gonna regret saying he's about guard up. Guard up. Now you know where you're vulnerable now, right? Okay, so what would you do now? Oh, okay, see? So now he understands. I need to have so what happens is when he when he has his armor up, now, right now he's armored. What happens? Does it mean the blows aren't gonna come? No. It's gonna come. But he's he's able to withstand. Because he's super spiritual. No, 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 no. He's withstanding because he put on the armor. He's not strong in his own ability. He's strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he's put on the whole armor so he can withstand. He can withstand. All right? So this is what, so you and I go about, and it's like, man, I, you ever heard this, somebody say this about somebody that, you, like, they're like, man, I wish I, could, I wish I could just handle stuff the way they do. I see my brother and my sister, and it seems like nothing seems to affect them. They just seem to stay steady, and they navigate. Well, I'll tell you what's probably going on. They probably got the whole armor on. And you're just not seeing what's happening is those blows are coming, but they're just withstanding. And you or me, when I don't have all the armor on, the blow comes. Man, I retaliate. It's like, oh, man, I realize how human I am. I realize how human I am, right? You you hit something that's armor, it doesn't feel anything. But boy, when you got a place that's vulnerable when you hit it, you feel it. Well, when you feel it, your first response is to retaliate. Before you realize what you did, you're like, oh, that wasn't good. Yeah, it would have been a lot better to have the armor on. Because what happens is 
when we retaliate, we don't retaliate against the spirit world. We retaliate against flesh and blood. And we risk hurting our testimony of pointing people to him. So we need the whole armor of God to withstand. What do you do after you've done everything to stand? You just stand. Some days you just stand. Now, you'll see we're going to get a little further here in these last few minutes. We're not just standing and getting beat up. Okay, let's go. Verse 14. Verse 14. Stand, therefore. Now he begins to tell us about the armor. I know you know this, but please stay with me. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth. Now, I'm not trying to be graphic, but we need to understand what we're seeing here in Paul's writing to the church. Your loins are a place of reproduction. This makes sense? Now, he's talking spiritually. We understand this. He says, hey, you're going to reproduce something in your daily living. And the adversary is going to try to attack you at the place where you reproduce. You better have truth there. You better have truth there or else you'll believe a lie and then you'll start reproducing things that aren't true. So you have to have the place of reproduction girded with truth. Now, John, Jesus is praying in John 17 for his disciples. Right? He said he's going to pray for him. John 17 is Jesus praying for his disciples. And he makes this statement. He says, Lord, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We read in Ephesians 1, right? After you received or heard the word of truth. And here Paul is saying, finally, put on the whole armor of God. And the first thing is having your loins girt about with truth. Well, what's truth? Thy word is truth. See, what we want to do sometimes is go, Lord, I pray, girt my loins with truth today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to girt your loins with truth. You got to get the word. You got to get in the word and pray the word. Say, Lord, open my understanding. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation that comes by your spirit. When I read your word, by the way, that's when John 17, 17, thy word is truth. It's logos. Thy logos is truth. So you read the word and you read it going, God, gird every part of me. I want to see truth. I want to receive truth. I want the word. And you now what happens is the word is mixing with the Holy Ghost that you have in your spirit. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. So now you're reading logos, the word of truth, and you're filled with the spirit of truth. And so now your loins can be girt about with truth. This is more than just, okay, Lord, the whole armor, let me make sure head, shoulders, knees. I don't know where that came from. Some of you know that song, though, I could tell. We have to put on, that's action. That's action. That's responsibility. 
so that we can, we got to remember, this isn't just doing some religious routine or ritual or some traditional, no, 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 no. I remember I'm warring against something. The adversary's trying to harm me. The adversary's trying to affect me and knock me down. So I'm putting on the armor so I can withstand. Now, next, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to make you turn there because we don't have time, but I'm going to read it. Whose righteousness are you putting on anyway? Whose is it? Yeah, that's right. His righteousness, yes? Psalm 119 and 142 says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Isaiah 42, 21 says, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Isaiah 51 and 7 says, Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revilings. Romans 2 and 26 says, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Verse Romans 4 and 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 8 and 4 says that the righteousness... My phone just messed up. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Do you notice how many times the law was mentioned with righteousness? Did you catch that? We're not under the law. Amen? But the law is meant to be written on the fleshy tables of our heart now. I would submit to you, if you're not getting into the law, it's pretty difficult to get the breastplate of righteousness. Just as sure as your loins being girded with truth has to do with the word of God, I promise you the breastplate of righteousness has to do with the law of God. So don't tell me, well, I didn't have time to read the Word. I don't have time to study the Word. What you're telling me and what I'm saying when I do that is, I really haven't got time to invest in the armor. Is it any wonder when Satan came and tempted the Lord Jesus on the mountain in the wilderness of 40 days of fasting, and the Lord... And Satan says to him, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. Why is it that when Jesus, God, manifested in the flesh, was withstanding an attack of the adversary, he did not go to, well, in the name of Jesus, I... No, 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 what did he do? He quoted the word, the word, the word. The word was his armor. The word was his weapon. Paul is telling us, put on the whole armor of God. 
I fear that there is an absence or a lack of the word. We read from Hosea that the people of God were destroyed. Why were they destroyed? Because they didn't love God. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. Well, they were destroyed because they weren't spiritual enough. No, that's not what it says. They were destroyed for their lack of knowledge. They hadn't fallen in love with the word of God. If I'm going to put on the armor of God, I got to be in the word of God. At least for my loins to be girt with truth and to have the breastplate of righteousness. What verse are we on? 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I got these shoes on. You see them? Here's the cool thing about these shoes. Watch this. Now, that's all good in here. But in a couple months, when, if it's icy out there, I don't have a whole lot of peace when I'm walking across a parking lot. You with me? What's on my feet matters with how much peace I have. You got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's talking about the armor and withstanding the things that would come against us. If you don't have a good understanding, it doesn't take much from the enemy to rob you of peace. You might as well be wearing these shoes on an icy lake. The enemy says, oh, I can push them and they'll just slide. Their feet aren't shod with peace. You ever heard this in Psalm 119 and 165? Great peace. Have they which love what? Great peace. Not just some peace. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know what that tells me? Come here, Brother Lewis. I'm just going to, Brother Lewis is in it tonight. Come on. Get your stuff. Notice, notice every time he's come, notice how he's done his feet. Here, stand up there, please, so they can see you. Right there. See his feet? Everybody see his feet? Notice he didn't stand like this. You'd be like, well, you look dumb. That's why he's not standing that way. No, be, he's standing like this because it gives him st stability. Stability. He went Muhammad Ali on me. He started to shuffle. Thank you. Your feet have to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know why you don't have peace? You know, you know how the enemy robs us of our peace? He gets us to believe what the world says. He gets us to believe the news of the world. He gets us caught up in the world's news cycle. He gets us caught up in the political drama. He gets us caught up in everything that is the voice of this world rather than great peace have they which love thy law. Anybody seeing a, seeing a pattern here? Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing... Oh, Brother Lewis, back up here again. 
Maybe you should just keep Brother Lewis up here. <laughs> now, because Brother, because Brother Lewis loves the law and he's got peace, he's not, he's not getting offended, knocked off his base where, you know, I'm just, oh, I can't believe it. Now I'm mad. I'm going to turn and walk away. No, he's, he's solid. He's got peace. He's got peace. He's not going to be offended. Boy, you give me somebody that don't have peace, and you look at them the wrong way. And you know what they're doing? They're taking that look, and they're twisting and saying, I know what they meant. I know why they did that. They, I bet they heard. They, and you're reading everything into it. No peace. And the adversary is looking for any way to rob you of peace. What is he doing? The adversary is coming, but you got on the armor, and you're able to withstand. Great peace have they which love thy law. Got to put on the armor. Got to put on the armor. It's interesting to me, that verse in Psalm 119, we won't take a ton of time here, but just make a note and then go study it. Where it says, great peace have they which love thy law. That word law there, and it's in other places, but it's beautiful to me that's here in Psalm 119, That word law there in the Hebrew is imra. It's, it, it's, in the Hebrew, what we get in the Greek is rhema. But in the Hebrew, it's imra. And it's literally the utterance, the speech, the spoken word. <laughs> you got to love the utterance of the word of God. You got to fall in love. Great peace have they. You want your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace? Okay, we got to go. Verse 16. Now, if all that wasn't enough, he gets to verse 16 and he says, Above all. Now, remember, he's in finally mode. Finally and above all. Take what? Take the shield of faith. Romans 10, 17 says what? Faith cometh by hearing. hearing, and hearing by the. Oh. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. That's the rhema. Where is it? It is. That's the rhema of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You understand, you're catching on here. You have to have the word to have the armor. I know there's this concept of just praying on the armor. It's not possible without the word. Everything in the armor, in some way, shape, or form, I can point back, not just once or twice. I can show you the word, 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 the word. You know, your feet shot, I know we're going backwards here. The feet shot with the preparation of gospel of peace. Is it any wonder that David said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? What does it do? When the word is showing me where I'm going, I got peace with the steps. Why do I have peace with the steps? Because the word's a lamp and a light. I'm not walking in darkness, I'm walking in light. So I got peace. You show me somebody walking in darkness, they don't have peace. But the word is a lamp to my feet. The word is a light to my path. My feet have peace. armor the shield of faith take the shield of faith faith comes by hearing hear by the word 
wherewith you shall be able. Now, you got to catch this. I know we read this, and you can quote this. With the shield of faith. Now, he's already said that you may be able to stand. But here he says the shield of faith. Actually, you will be able, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It doesn't say you'll be able to quench a majority of the darts. It says if you take the shield of faith, that you and I will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, I promise you, the enemy never stops firing darts. He fires darts when you're sleeping. That's why I pray before I go to bed. I'm girding my mind. You know, a little side note. You may not realize this, but sometimes you're most susceptible to things when you're unconscious. You ever heard of somebody having surgery? What happened? They get them knocked out. I can do anything I want when they're knocked out. You think the adversaries, oh, they're sleeping right now. I'll leave them alone. I'll not bombard them in their sleep. He doesn't stop. So when I go to bed, I put on the armor. I pray a covering on my mind. I pray, God, if I'm going to dream, let you direct my dreams tonight. God, my thought... Talk to me while I'm sleeping. Plant, wake me up with thoughts about you, Lord. I, don't discount your sleeping time. The shield of faith, you'll quench all the fiery darts. And you got to know, his darts come at your mind. This is, the, this is the place of the darts. It's constantly bombarding your mind. Constantly bombarding your mind. Constantly bombarding your mind. You've heard me tell the story where for four years I thought I was losing my mind. I thought maybe I was going out of my mind. I didn't know what was going on. I, well, the only way I was able to navigate that by God's grace, I just immersed myself in the Word. Why? Because I knew I, I don't even know what to believe right now, but I know this is true. I know this is true. And so I'll get a thought. How do I find out if the thought's true or not? The word. How does it measure against the word? How does it measure against the word? And the dart would come. What does the word say about that? The thought would come. What does the word say about that? The thought would come here. What does the word say about that? What does the word say? What does the word say? And what happens is you now have the shield of faith. And so the dart comes and you're like. "Ah." That's a dart of the wicked. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That's contrary to the word. That thought doesn't matter. It's contrary to the word. I know what the word says. I've heard from the Lord on the matter. I've heard from the Lord on the matter. I have the shield of faith. Amen? Amen. I believe the word. Verse 17, we're finishing here. Take the helmet of salvation. Beautiful. Acts 13 and 26 talks about the logos of salvation. 
You guys go study that out sometime. It's beautiful. Acts 13, 26, the logos of salvation. You Bible students. Watch this, salvation. The helmet of salvation. Psalm 119. I'm just going to stay in Psalm 119 for a minute. You ready? Verse 41. Let your mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in the word. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Apparently there's correlation between salvation and the word. Salvation and the word. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Psalm 132 and 16 says, oh, don't do that. It says, I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Salvation in the law, salvation in his commandments, salvation in his statutes. We see it again and again and again. I'm telling you, every part of the armor of God, if you want to strengthen and put on the armor, you've got to be in the Word of God. The armor is found in the Word. I know it's easier if I could just pray a 30-second prayer and say, God, cover me with the whole armor. Cover my head with salvation, my breast, your breastplate of righteousness, my loins girt with truth, my feet shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. But I neglect the word. I'm not putting on the armor. Got to be in the word. Got to be in the word. Got to be in the word. Now, if you've been paying attention, and I know you have, everything to this point has protected us from the attack of the adversary. But it's all, but then he says, and the sword of the Spirit. Oh, that's not something that's protecting me. That's something I'm fighting with. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word. There's a saying that I'm sure many, if not all of you, have heard. Don't take a knife to a gunfight. You ever heard that before? Going into spiritual battle, not having given yourself to the word, is setting yourself up to be wounded. We're not warring with flesh and blood. We're dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we need to put on the whole armor of God. And we need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. That's the uttered word, the spoken word of God. You know how you have the spoken word of God? You spend time in the Logos. And you fellowship the Spirit of God in prayer. And the Logos and the Spirit together 
gives you the rhema of God. You can begin to speak out, and the word comes alive. And the adversary comes against you, and you speak. Jesus wasn't just quoting Scripture because it was nice to quote Scripture. The word he spoke took life when the adversary said, turn these stones into bread. All of a sudden, the word came alive. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. He was wielding the sword of the Spirit. Stand with me, please. We got to do this. We need to fall in love with the word. We need to fall in love with the word. We need to fall in love with the word. We're going we're gonna to seek to continue to give you tools to do that. We're going to have some things coming your way by way of some communication forms around the word here in the days ahead. Uh, watch for some communication that will come from brother and sister Gabe and Sandra Riojas. The word is powerful. The word is powerful. I can't imagine going through a day without the word of God. Now, if you're standing here and you go, well, yeah, but you're a preacher. No, 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 no. I'm a believer just like you. I, I face principalities and powers just like you. And so you must fall in love with the word. This is why it's not enough to just go, well, I read some scriptures today. No, you need to let the word get in your heart. That's what the psalmist said. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word will keep you. The word will cover you. And the word will give you a weapon to fight with. God, let us fall in love with your word. Let us fall in love with your word. Now, I finish with these verses. I know you're standing. Why do we put all of this on? And what do we do once we get it all put on? The next three verses. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, watch, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is why we're doing it. Because we are called in this hour, we reference it already, and I'll reference it in closing, open doors that we got to walk through. But we got to be able to speak. We got to open our mouth to speak. We got to declare the gospel. And if I'm trying to do that without being properly attired and properly equipped, I'll speak from here. And it won't accomplish what it needs to do. We need to be people of prayer. And people of the word. People of prayer and people of the word. Hear me. You can't say, I mean you can, but it won't be true. You can't say, I just don't have time.
Can't do it. You have time. We always find time for that which is important to us.